It is November the 27th, 2023. Welcome into the channel podcast. I am your host, Rainey, alongside my two co-hosts, Austin Brown and Jordan Four. Tennessee finishes off the season with a pretty convincing win over Vandy. And let's reflect over this season, the 2023 season. There's some news coming in from the SEC. Georgia has to go to Bama next year in 2024. Georgia finally gets a road game. My God, they finally get a road game. And speaking of Bama, Austin's got a bone to pick with some Bama fans because I'm in agreement with him, and I think most of the majority of the country is in agreement with Austin on this one, that Bama fans are some of the most ridiculous fans on this entire planet. Uh, they cry. They There were some videos of the band fans crying after they caught the ball, and they have no need to cry because they don't even – they're so spoiled. They don't even know what losing feels like, honestly. But, guys, welcome in. It's been a good year for football. It is not over yet. We still have bowl games. We still have championship games. We still have the NFL. We still got a lot of football left in general, a lot of sports left, Tennessee basketball on deck this week. North Carolina. Guys, how are we? Jordan, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Sad that the uh, the, the regular season's over with. Sad that, you know, the tailgating at G10 and having fun with everybody, you know, is over with until next season. Um, but doing pretty good. Glad to finish the season out with a win, though. Austin, how you doing, buddy? I am doing good. It's Good to be here. It's good. Uh, eight and four is not how I really wanted this season to go, but I'll take it considering everything. It was a it was an okay regular season. Would have liked a little different, but we're here. Yeah, eight and four is not the worst. It's not what we expected, but again, that's a good thing. If we're, we're mad about eight and four, that means something's good is happening here at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. If we're mad about eight and four, Tennessee absolutely hammers uh, Vanderbilt. Um, that was a wild game uh, with all the, fight, <laughs> the fighting. The, the, the whole weekend of college football, just there was so much. Did y'all see all the fighting going on? Like, I guess it's just like rivalry weekend and in-state rivals and stuff like that. It's just mm-hmm. so heated. But that Vandy Tennessee game was probably one of the most heated games of the entire weekend. Besides, was it who was it? Arkansas and who who played Arkansas against Missouri? Oh, uh, Missouri. Missouri and Arkansas. That was a heated game too. But Tennessee and, and, and Vandy got really, really heated. And I want to get you guys' opinion on this. I don't know if you went back and watched the game. Um, Austin, were y'all both at the game? I was not there. I was doing Thanksgiving with my family. So y'all are y'all are both at the game, okay? Yes, um, I was there. And I've rewatched most of it, just not the fourth quarter. So Was it not Clark Lee that instigated that entire thing? I don't know. It, it just – I think it was more Vandy's players. I I just rewatched it. I I I mean he was bitching him. Honestly, the refs started it. It was mainly the refs that instigated because they didn't call. Like there were two. There was a false start and an offsides on the last two two plays, and they called those penalties, but they didn't blow their whistle to, to, to stop the action. So we you know end up hitting their quarterback and and things get a little heated when that happens because they never play. They never blew their whistle and called the, and blew the play dead. So I mean, I get why he's kind of pissed off, but at the same time, 
they didn't blow their whistle. So what do you want us to do? They yeah, mainly on the refs. Yeah, you, I mean, you go back and watch it. There's no whistle. There's no, there's no sound of a whistle or a whistle blown. Uh, but yeah, uh, you can kind of blame on the rest. But what I mean, what is Tennessee supposed to do? Just stop playing? Because Van, a lot of the Vandy players, some of them stopped, but the majority of them kept playing just like Tennessee did. And then their coach gets pissed off. I'm like, are you, are you not seeing the same exact thing that we all just saw as everyone was still playing, I mean, basically? Uh, I think like the fighting this week uh, can just be summed up with like, it is rival, rivalry week. I always hate that word, but it's, it's such well, a hard word to say. The, it's our week. And, uh, um, and you know, these teams hate each other more than anybody. Like Vandy hates us more than they hate anybody, obviously. And because a lot of their players would like to play at Tennessee. And, um, you know, Auburn, Alabama, they hate each other. Missouri and Arkansas, I think they, I guess they hate each other. Yada, yada, yada. Florida State, Florida. Um, but also, I feel like a lot of these matchups are between teams that are having good seasons or okay seasons and teams that are having absolutely train wreck seasons and emotions are kind of flaring. Like you'll see that, you'll see this in baseball. The benches clearing brawls usually happens between a team whose their season's been over since mid July and, there's a playoff the other team's a playoff team and they'll just kind of they're they're just kind of sick and bored and hate everything so they're going to start a fight yeah and what uh, one one quick little note here um uh, before we kind of get into all of this but did you just see like tennessee's ball boy trying to knock that ball out of the vandy player's hand after he got after he got the supposedly like supposedly had a turnover but it was reversed after um who was it? Was yeah. it Squirrel White? I think who was down on, on the can't remember exactly who the receiver was, but he was down. And then the ball boy is like chasing after the Vandy player, wanting the ball back. He's like trying to punch it out of his arms, man. I was like, what is that guy doing? And like they're over there arguing about like you need to give him the ball. And the player was like, I didn't give me the ball. And he's like trying to punch it out of his freaking that hand. Was a, that game was a mess. That was a mess of a game. It was a, <laughs> chaotic. Because Vandy had the bye week. Did you know that they had a bye week going into this game? I did not even know that. And I didn't realize that because they're just they're just extension to what Vandy did the week before. <laughs> but, That's just um, yeah, it's funny. Um, but all right, let's get into this. Um, love you, Rob. Rob. Rob says porn star Austin with a stash still. That thing has been got more comments than anything Rob. I've ever seen. Uh, all right, well let's get. You guys want to? Should we even break down the Vandy game or uh, re- just start the reflection of the 2023 season? And kind of just kind of go with it, Jordan. Where would you where do you really want to start with that? I was going to say we can just kind of you know I, I think like kind of give our grade on what the season was to us, yeah. Um, kind of how it unfolded and and uh, just go from there and see where it goes. I mean, like I, I was thinking about this today because I heard on the radio a few times. You know, what was your grade? What would you grade this season? And I, I keep coming back to a C plus. I think it's a C plus and. I think it, it, it falls an entire later grade because of the Florida game. I think that knocks you down an entire later grade, just that game alone. Um, I think that if you had if you had went nine and three with losses to Georgia, Alabama, and Missouri, which are all three top ten teams, I think it's a pretty good season, a pretty good solid B plus. Now the Missouri game, that's you know, we talked about this. That's it's how you lost that game. It's not that you just lost it, it's how you lost it. Um but I, I would give it a C plus. I, you know, we we spent you know the past few podcasts talking about Milton, and I, I'm sure we'll get back on that topic again. But I think two things can be true at the same time, and we'll, we can kind of rehash this a little bit. I think you can clearly you know question Josh Hopple on making the decision to stick with Joe Milton and let that be him his quarterback. 
But I also think it's true that, that Josh Hoppel got – and now it's not great, but he got the most that he could out of a really bad quarterback. And, you know, he clearly schemed and play called around Joe Milton's deficiencies. I mean, that is clear. Anybody that says that he didn't, I'm sorry, but he clearly did. You know, I was looking a few things up today, and, you know, Joe Milton this season threw 88 passes behind the line of scrimmage. Hendon Hooker in two seasons threw 92 in two seasons. What a stat. 88. So that's that's playing to a, a player's deficiencies. And I also looked this up, you know, after after he threw that interception in the A&M game uh, going, you know, in the red zone, we threw one pass in the middle of the field in the red zone the rest of the season. One. Because he was terrified of Joe making a mistake with us. I mean, because even if you get a field goal, a field goal is better than zero. Right. So he was terrified of Joe making a mistake in the red zone again. So from that A&M game on, every pass was outside. So yeah. he did the best he could this season playing to the deficiencies of his quarterback. And I put this on there earlier. This is the worst season for a Josh Apple quarterback in six years of him being a head coach. Statistically across, you know, pretty much across the board outside of here and there. We still found a way to go eight and four in the SEC. And if he, if he can go eight and four in the SEC with bad quarterback play, then at bare minimum, he has raised the floor of this program more than it was the past fifteen years. Yeah, and I I, I agree with you. Like we're just what we're just saying. Like we're sitting here mad at eight four. That means he has raised the bar. And if we're mad about eight four, that means that means something really good is happening. And I, I want to go back to something you said a little while ago, Jordan. I was talking to my fiance about this last night, actually, about the whole Florida game. Is is Joe getting criticized as bad as he is this season by our fan base? If we are nine and three. Yeah, or is it just kind of like being overlooked a little bit? Like, okay, nine and three was not bad with all we lost and everything, yada yada yada. Um, is is it is it different than if we just didn't get absolutely rolled over by Florida and we went down there in the swamp and beat them and then lost to Alabama and Georgia and Missouri, which was a bad loss? But it, it, are are we sitting here in a different take, kind of a different mood mindset, kind of? I think I think that we are in a different mood. I think you know we're a little bit. I think we're more happier or satisfied with nine and three. Uh, I think the, I think all of us the four loss is the one. I think that's just flat out the one that's inexcusable. There's no excuse for that loss. It's a terrible loss. As the season went on, it got worse and worse and worse. But I also still think that we would still be criticizing Joe because my honest opinion, I think we're a quarterback away from being ten and two. I really do. I think we're good quarterback away from being a at minimum a ten and two team this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that is where I am at right there. Because you could have gone out in the portal and got you a quarterback. You could have. I know you have the NIL. I know you have the opportunity. I mean, Ole Miss went out and got three. I've been saying this since I'm um, since since the start of the season, honestly. Because I, I didn't see much in Joe Milton, even in the Clemson game, even before this, that made me think, okay. This guy is definitely the best option. This guy can lead us to a season that won't be quite what Hooker did in 2022, but is something close to that. Nothing about Joe Milton the whole time he's been here prior to the season made me think that, and it was correct. He He's not that good of a quarterback, and he's very limited in, in what he can do with, in your offense, especially considering how this offense is. And... I don't know. I, I I struggle with writing a grade for the season because 
I don't know when to mark a grade. Do I make a grade on what I think you should have done and before the season even started, or do I give a grade based on you know, how you did just coaching game by game? If I'm, I'm just going to give it just game by game and how I think he did with what he had, just considering at the start of fall camp. Um, and I'd give you a, I, I give him a C. I, I, I still think you have to find a way to win that Florida game for what you have. You have to do everything in your power to win that game, and whether whether that is throwing in a new quarterback or I don't think our defense scheme was good at all for that game. That that game just that game really did like coming into the season. I felt like that game defined the season or would define the season, and at the end of the day, it did define the season. We're sitting there eight and four. That isn't bad that i mean that isn't like a train wreck of a season that's like that's like a down fulmer year back in the day that's 94 that's 2000 that's 2002 the same kind of result so it's not that bad but at the same time i know if you would have done things a little better especially in the preseason but even considering game by game you could have gotten nine three I, I don't know if you could have beaten Missouri with Joe Milton. I, I'm curious to see how the game goes if you get the second half if, or if you uh, score in your last last possession of the first half. But it's I, I give it a C because it could have gone better. And, I mean, I really don't think they handled things in the offseason very well. But it's over. It is it is what it is. We got eight wins out of Joe Milton, which is a compliment to Josh Heupel. If this is the floor, like he said, wins over Texas A&M. And especially the Kentucky game, I feel like Kentucky was the best coaching job we did all year. I feel like that was we that was not an easy game to win, win with a quarterback like we had, and we managed to pull it out despite losing call Haddon before the game. Um, we were in a group text earlier, earlier today, and I kind of mentioned this, and I'm going to get off the Joe thing because it's just exhausting at this point. Um, and I'm getting tired of talking about it. I think everyone's getting tired of hearing about it. Um, but he got so much praise in that Clemson game. And if you go back and watch a Clemson game, he is the same quarterback in that game as he was all year. He never got better. It's the same guy. It's the same, same throws, the same – hesitation it's the same thing over and over again and he had that one game he had that one game against alabama where he was like watch me run i don't know why he didn't do that more because he had alabama shook in the first half he did he he had joe milton to all of his credit went down to tuscaloosa had bama shook in the first half they didn't know how to handle him they didn't know how to handle him because he was doing things he was making plays with his legs like you say so many times jordan in our text we just are on this podcast. He, we just didn't have a quarterback that did th- anything with his legs to, to, you know, make anything happen. And what, what did you say in our text? You, you sent out a stat. I don't know if you tweeted out either about the rushing. I know you mentioned a little while ago. Did you, did you spit out that stat or was I not paying attention or I'm, about? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not tweeted yet, but I, I basically what I looked up was against Florida, Alabama and Georgia the past two seasons, what did our running backs do in the run game in those three games? And it, it is pretty comparable. Um, this season we ran for more yards per carry. We had 11 less rushes this season, but we rushed for more yards this year with our running backs, strictly our running backs. Now the difference in last year and this year, as I was saying before we came on, is in those games 
you had Hen and Hooker's legs that improvised and created stuff off script and would pick up if it's third and five and he got pressure, guess what? He got seven instead of Joe Milton taking a sack or throwing the football away. And to me, you know, that is that, that's the biggest difference in this season compared to the last two. Um, this team, when you look at the just the overall team position group by position group, like it was good enough everywhere else to win 10 football games. Everywhere else it was good enough. The defense statistically across the board has been the past two years. And, and, you know, this is the best rushing attack Josh Hopple has had here in two years. Um, the special teams, this is the best special teams unit that Josh Hopple has had here in two years. Literally, you look across the football team, it was all there to win 10 games except for the most important position on the football field. And it was literally as average as average can get. I retweeted a, a chart out earlier today. I think I might have sent it to you guys. I can't remember. Basically, what it looks at is your expected points added uh, on the season and your Q- QBR rating through through ESPN, and it charts it out. And literally, Joe is right in the middle, like as average as average can get in the middle. And that basically, to me, tells the story of the 2023 football season. You went eight and four, which we all agree is average. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've kind of, you know, I, I've really had to question Hypel on this whole situation. I think he didn't handle the situation well. And it made me kind of wonder what do I think about Hypel then? If he, if he, I felt like he didn't make right decisions throughout the season because, uh, you know, you, you want to believe your coach is great, but uh, it's, it was, it was pretty bad how he handled that situation. And but I but it, it made me feel a little better when I started thinking about it. And Nick Saban started Jalen Hurts for so many games before he put two in against uh in the national championship game. And uh, what else? Uh, Kelly Bryant played most of the season until Trevor Lawrence took over. I mean, he's not the first coach to ever start the wrong QB. And be fair, I don't know if Nico could have won us many other games, may, maybe Florida. That's the only one I think of maybe and i know he had the acl tear recently before that or, or some injury not acl tear i forget what it, whatever injury he had in camp um so that maybe made him treat the situation differently i don't know i i kind of think of it as i always think hypo like he kind of always coaches like he's playing a video game do you guys ever feel that he he, uh, I felt that last season. I didn't feel like this season. Can I do this season though in a weird way? No, like, I feel like he was or concerned about numbers. I feel like he wanted, I feel like he had a hard time admitting to himself that Joe Milton wasn't a good quarterback. So in this game, like this last game, I think he tried his best to get those numbers for Milton as high as he could to make it look a little better at the end of the season. And, uh, I mean, heck, we saw this season he, he was kicking field goals late in games when, it really wouldn't have helped him much to come back. I felt like he just wanted to score points. That's, that's where I that's where I disagree with the whole video game thing this year. He he didn't play like, anything. But I feel like he was concerned about his numbers. That's what I felt like. I feel yeah, like he, maybe, but I, I just the video game thing is is complete. The the season from last year to this year because of uh, Hendon's legs and because Joe's lack of legs. Uh, I feel like last year was video game numbers. I mean, like you get you got Alabama, you could have easily taken a knee at the end of the game, but no, you're sitting there throwing down all the way down the field, 
trying to get as much yards as you can to kick the game winner. You're you're going for it on all these fourth downs. You're you're doing all these things like video games. But this year it was like we're gonna well, kick it in the half. You know. I shouldn't have said video game. I should have yeah. said concerned about your numbers or yeah. something like that. I feel yeah. like he I feel like he is a little obsessed with like not showing failure in a guy. I feel like he wants to show that he had success with every quarterback he's ever had. And maybe that's why he refused to give up on Milton. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think they're going to trot Joe Milton out there in the ballgame? Both of you guys? If Joe wants to play, I think they do. Me too. If Joe wants to play that game, which he's probably going to want to play that game, they're going to put him out there. I'm hopeful and- that maybe like how they treated him in the uh, – in the Vandy game, will show that okay. That's everyone keeps calling it Joe's last ride or something, and and he even said like I'm giving this up to Nico and the presser after. So hopefully, I don't know. And just kind, kind of going back on, just kind of going back on what like what you guys are talking about with you know Josh not not taking this season and playing it like a video game. Like I agree with you, Rainey. Like I mean, the first two years, you know, Josh was taking chances. He you know, fourth down calls, trying to go for touchdowns, not playing like he wasn't conservative, is basically what I'm trying to say. And it just felt like this season he went more of the conservative route, um, especially like in games like you guys were talking about, tr- just trying to put points on the board to make his numbers look good towards the end of the season. Um, I mean, <clears throat> you know, we can rehash it all we want to. I, I just at the end of the day, he had a quarterback that he didn't trust. And he had a quarterback that wasn't good enough, and it all bears it out when you when you break it down analytically and statistically. You look at it on paper. You watch the games with your eyeballs, as you guys talk about all the time. Randy, you said it all the time. I my I can see with my eyes, and you can see in these games he had an average quarterback that he did not trust. Yeah, and and you saw it too in like the post game press conferences a lot. The frustration in Josh Heupel's eyes. Speaking of eyes. His body language. He was just frustrated. Like he wanted to do more things and he just couldn't. And, uh, you know, Joe, I mean, I, I say some pause about Joe too. I mean, I mean, he's a great teammate. People loved him. He, he had great personality, but like that's, that's, that's all awesome in the end of the day. But like I don't, in the, in the end of the day, I, I want to, you yeah. know, but if it's our best option, then uh, like people say all the time, well, you're not the coach, what well, we're not. But again, I can see with my eyeballs, and I can see. I don't know the whole story with Nico. We're not going to find that out. We're just we're going to find out next year how good he is, putting all of his eggs in the Nico basket, as you said, Jordan. And it better work out. Um, the thing I hate here, and is people that like I've heard this narrative that oh, this family just, just hates Joe Milton. They just hate Joe Milton. No, we hate the idea of starting a quarterback that doesn't produce the best. We hate the idea of not doing as great as this team could do. We hate the idea of that we had to lose to Florida because we didn't try our best at finding a good quarterback in the offseason. That's what I feel like. I feel like we should have done everything in our power to get a transfer quarterback in here, and we screwed up. And that's well, what it is. I, I feel like it's one of those things, and then we're moving on from Joe because this is we're done with Joe after this. Yeah. Um, um, but I feel like one of those things, too, I think people would have a different perspective on him. Uh, and people, no one hates, no one dislikes Joe. Like no one dislikes him. Like they, they, no one dislikes him. Okay, we're just critiquing. That's what fans do. That's what that's where our fandom is. We watch games and we get upset or we get happy or we're sad or glad or whatever. 
but it goes back to listen. JG was like one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life. But there, you, there was not one time we didn't question how tough he was because he would kill himself trying to do anything. You know, he's just a bad quarterback. He was just bad, and it wasn't his fault that he was being thrown out there. He was just bad, simply bad. The thing that I think with Joe Milton is you never kind of saw that, just putting his body on the line. He never really did that. And I think that's what people were had a, a major problem with. Like, okay, you have some bad throws. You have some bad passes, in, like behind the receivers, over their heads. That's that's fine. Like, it happens. But I think the, the effort thing, I'm not saying he didn't give effort, but I feel like he wasn't as aggressive as he could have been. And I think that's what bothered people, seeing that big-ass dude out there. I mean, just a monster of a man out there, almost scared to get hit at, at times. At times, he's just scared to get hit, it seems like. And I think that's what kind of bothered people. And I think that's where their criticism really comes from, because if he was really, you know, like I said, out there overthrowing passes, okay, that happens. Behind receivers, that happens. But if he's going out there and trying to truck people, like I don't think people have as big of a problem you know, with the way he played, if he's like diving for first downs or, you know, things, things of that nature, you know, I I don't want this to be taken too far. I just don't think Joe Milton was that much of a winner. If that's, if that's too far, I don't think he had, he wanted to win. I don't think he had, I don't think he had, he had to win though. I don't think he he was desperate. I don't think he couldn't, I don't know. I see. It seemed like a lot of times he was just following the rule book. It felt like, and just going, Let's use let's use the word or Austin. The word you're looking for is he didn't have the dog in him. He didn't have the dog in him. Like he didn't have that fight. The dog. I mean, you know. And and I think another thing that did rub a portion of the fan base wrong too, Rainey, is even with JG when we were losing or we were getting beat, you could see it on his face on the sidelines how pissed he was that we were losing. And then and this year when we're losing games at Missouri or we're losing to Georgia. You got Joe on the sidelines dancing up and down, mm-hmm. laughing with his teammates, cutting up as we're getting our brains beat in. And to some people, that rubbed them the wrong way. Like they want to see that losing means something to you, that losing upsets you or makes you mad. And when you don't see that, that makes a part a portion of the fan base upset. I know everyone's different in the way they react. Okay, everyone's different, but we've all played sports in our life. I, I, there's one thing in my life I cannot. I hate losing. I'm so competitive. And if, if I'm losing a game that bad, like I'm the kind of guy that's, that's throwing my helmet to the ground and just shattering into hundred pieces. Like I'm, I'm pissed. I'm, I'm so angry and I'm so mad because I'm such a competitor. I would, you would never in, a, in, in a, my lifetime catch me over there doing that. And like I said, everyone's different, but I'm not, that's what rubbed me the wrong way. And I think that's what you just said, Jordan, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. So um, I think that that's a good point. Big, big, big point right there. Um, Jordan, that that's a solid solid point right there. Um, and, and also, real quick, and we can I want to move on to the defense and kind of get your opinions on the defense too. Real there's quick, there's a segue but, um, right there. Um, real quick, I think I think you can see between Hooker and Milton, the the differences to me were Hooker didn't have the physical abilities of Milton, but you saw the dog and Hooker, and you saw the mentality of I hated to lose, and he put his body on the line in some of those games. Whereas with Milton, he had all the physical tools, but he didn't have the dog in him. He didn't have the wherewithal to, you know, the, the losing 
rub him the wrong way. That's that's, that's how you – I mean, we, back in the years, we saw two completely different type of quarterbacks with two completely different type of personalities. Um, just go look at that just, photo at Florida. Just that, that look on Hooker's face of, like, I'm the freaking leader of this team, and I can just – we're going to go out there and win this freaking game. That, that's what he that's what you saw on his face, and it meant everything to him. And he, he, he was a winner. He, he deserved to be in New York for the Heisman. It's ridiculous he, he wasn't there. And that's what we were missing this year. And I I hope Nico has that. I, I don't know. Oh, I think he does. I think Nico's got that. And you can you can see it the way he goes out there and plays. I know it's really early, but you could well, – pretty God, I hope he has it. Shit. I mean um, – all right, Jordan, you just – you said the defense and William Walter. I hope you're saying your name right. Just put a comment in. As you're saying, let's talk about the defense. He proposed a question. Do you think Martinez returns next year? We can get into that now or just kind of get into the defense or just actually just take a crack at it. Is Martinez returning next year? Is Josh Heupel going to keep him around? Well, I mean, his contract is up, I think, in February. They did not renew it. He's not signed a contract extension yet. He's the only one on that side of the football that has a contract that, that is expiring. Um so those signs would point to maybe he's not returning next season. But then when you actually kind of look at recruiting, I mean, we've landed, I think, three defensive backs for the 2025 class in the last month. And that would kind of tell you that they believe he's going to be here uh, when they show up on campus in, in, what, a year and a half, two years. I mean, so that's a really, really good question. And, I, you know, I've told you guys this. for for When we hired him back, I thought it was a really good hire, and I, I, I loved it. And – you know, basically for two years now, I defended him because I thought he needed to get his guys in here and develop his guys, and that's when we would see a difference. But after three years now, I can't. I just I can't defend it anymore. I mean, the 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 secondary play, you know, has kind of been atrocious through three seasons. Um, now, you, I will say, you know, I think we all agree, Kamal hadn't got better over a three year period. Mm-hmm. I mean. He was playing as one of the best defensive backs in the country when he got hurt. Like, I mean, one of the best in the SEC when he got hurt this season. So that that was developed. Um, but you just never saw any of the corner, any of the other corners take the next step or or play better. And a lot of the times, you know, the famous saying with Martinez too is the DBs never turn their head, and they just they never played the ball in the air. Like they were they were never never able to turn get their heads turned around, make a play on the ball. Um, and a lot of times they were just lost in zone coverage. So I would make a change and try to find somebody else to bring in here that can get more out of them than what they're currently getting. And I will point out that Florida just fired their defense coordinator who also was their D B coach. And he he He's, he seemed okay. I didn't mind their – they didn't seem to have bad pass coverage usually, at least. Their, most of their issues were on the offensive side, side of the ball. But um, – Did you just say that Florida just fired the defensive coordinator? Yeah. That's crazy. Like, this is his first year there. <laughs> this is his first season. Uh, like, he's like 30 years old or 30, 34 years old. Austin, his name I think is Austin Armstrong. I might have been their D- – oh, shoot. It might have been their DB coach. It might have been their DB coach. Hold on, let me. I just read it real fast on Twitter, and there's a. Okay, it's uh. Who was it? Oh my bad. Co DC. That's what screwed me up. Co DC. Sean Spencer. Okay. 
and secondary okay. coach right. uh, Corey Raymond. Yeah, they didn't fire that uh, chubby guy. Okay. <laughs> body shaver. I'm, I'm not one. But he looks like he's 14. Yeah, yeah he does. He really does. But um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't know. Uh, people seem to like him. <laughs> and uh, but like, what what has to happen? I mean, seriously, but what has to happen? Because the defense has been the same and almost the almost since Cyples been here. It's has it's been the same. Well, it's just been the same problem. The D line's so, gotten better. D line's gotten so, better. A lot better. Well, Rodney Garner can develop like no one else. Seems like it. The results. So are there. Is, is, uh, so, like, here's the thing, in my opinion, is, and I kind of brought this up, you know, I think a podcast or two ago. To me, I'm, I wonder, and I, I believe, how much of this is a scheme thing. Like how much of, of this is a philosophical thing with the defense on how they play coverage? Because I saw something earlier today that said we're one of the best teams in the SEC at keeping passes or catches in front of us and not giving up anything deep. But we're one of the worst in the SEC at being able to tackle that guy once they catch the football. So – as I brought up a few podcasts ago, I really truly believe that we cannot judge this defense on your basic traditional football statistics of passing yardage, total defensive yardage, you know, things like that. I think you've got to be able to because here's the thing our defense is going to be on the field more than any other defense in the country because of how fast we play, the speed that we play at, and you know, we either go three and out, we turn the ball over, or it's a quick score. So the defense is constantly on the field. There's not been a season yet with Josh Oppo as a head coach where the defense has been on the field for less than 50% of a football game for an entire season. It's usually around 55 to 56% of the game the defense is on the field. So you're seeing more plays than anybody else, which lends to more opportunities for the other team to you know uh, get yardage, get passing. Because another thing, too, is a lot of the times these teams we play, they're, they're playing from behind. They're having to throw the football to play catch-up because we're jumping out so fast. So they are going to rack up more passing yardage. So I think when we come to judge the secondary, we can't look at it on a piece of paper as far as passing yardage and say, oh, well, we're 90th in the country. That's terrible. Like, well, that's awful. we got to fire. What you really need to look at is what are you giving up per passing attempt? How many passing touchdowns are you giving up? Are you creating turnovers? Stuff like that. And, you know, we've actually been – Pretty mid-pack, right around 50th to 40th in the country, and in interceptions and yards per you know yards per catch, uh, and and everything. So we've not been as bad as it looks because we give up a lot of stuff in between the 20s, and like we give up a lot of. But then the first two years, what would happen is once the team would get into the red zone, we would kind of hold them to field goals or create a turnover or, you know, create a sack or something to force them to punt the ball in a short field. But this season, the red zone defense took a ginormous step back, which made it look worse than what it has been these past two years. So I think as Tennessee fans, what we really got to look at when we're joining this defense is we can't look at total yardage. We need to look at the havoc plays, the tackle for losses, the sacks, the interceptions, the fumbles, you know, forced – those type of things. And then also 
points per game. Like how many points are you giving up? We gave up 21 points a game this year, which is the lowest that we've had in three years under Josh Hopper. Is it? Is it? Is it the play? Could it? Could it be the players too? Because I know it was late in the game. I know it was late in the game against Vandy, and Vandy just they suck, and they're just terrible. But when these younger players get in the game, um, the freshman, uh, who is it? Uh, Jeremiah T. Is it? T. Lander, T. Lander, Jeremiah T. Lander, like when he got in the game against Vandy, like you noticed him. And there's there's just players that that over the past couple of years you just don't really notice. It's just like kind of like a there's just a defense out there. There's no one out like making plays, but like when when Jeremiah came out there and late like late in the game when he came out there, like you noticed him. He was everywhere all over the place he's a little undersized still got to gain a little bit of weight but he's a freshman so can you blame a lot of that maybe on the players too as well or i don't know like maybe just we just don't think they're not as good as we think they are i don't know i mean i think i mean we, we looked at there on saturday and you still had a walk-on db playing the star position and you know, I mean, that's definitely going to show up. At We're times. thin as hell. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's and you more. still got a what a fifth or sixth year senior in Jalen McCullough playing safety, which we all say is average at best safety in the SEC, and he's still out there playing. So I think you know you you're right, Randy. I think you can, can kind of combine both of them. I think it's kind of a scheme thing, but I also think that it's also a player thing. Now. My critique on as far as the defensive side of the ball, because we could critique Joe, my critique would be why are we not playing young guys? Like what like I don't understand why we're getting in these games and we're either A getting blown out or B blowing the other team out. And we still Jalen McCullough was still in that game with like four minutes to go in the fourth quarter against Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Why? Like why? Why? I don't understand why we continue to play these juniors and seniors who are starters. All these snaps and all these blowouts where we should be playing some of these younger guys to get them game film experience, get them experience in a game so you see what you have. Is that a Josh Heibel thing or a Tim Banks and Willie Martinez thing? That's what I'm curious because I see I've seen similar things on the offensive line and at wide receiver. Uh, we'd leave Cedric Tillman in the game the whole time against like Akron or some crap. It just it made no sense. It felt like. I mean, uh, I think it's I think it's certain position groups because what Rainey was just talking about. I mean, even go back going back to last year when you look at the linebacker position, you know, we rotated a lot at the linebacker position. Even this year, before we started getting injuries, we were ro- rotating a lot. I mean, we had Beasley playing. Um, Kayla Perry gets into the game. I mean, last year, you know, if you guys remember, we had Salone Page playing key minutes at linebacker in key games. That kid hadn't played at all in five years before Josh Hoppel got here. And he's out there in the Bama game and Georgia game playing key minutes. And the defensive line, too. I mean, we rotated the defensive line. So, it just it, – it seems that on the defensive side of the ball, to me, it's a secondary. It's a Tim Banks-Willie Martinez philosophy of we are playing the upperclassmen. And that's how it's going to be, and that's it. Whereas your front seven – they rotate a ton, and you can flip it to the to the offensive side of the ball. I mean, we rotate at running back a lot. I mean, we all agree Jalen Wright should have got more carries than what he got on the season. You mean Samson? But we all, yeah. I mean, we rotated a lot at running back. You know, we 
we don't really rotate a lot at receiver because of the at the speed that we have to go because you can't sub because if you sub, it gives the defense a chance to sub. So normally the three you run out there to start a position or the three you're going to end the possession with. Um, it, it The front seven on defense is the one we, that we rotate a lot. The rest of the offense or the rest of the team in general, it seems like they're going to play the upperclassmen. Well, one thing that, that – and we briefly spoke on this last week. The thing that, that you do notice, and it's kind of what I just said, the younger players that are making plays, like it's you – have, you have Nimrod, you have Caleb Webb out there making plays. You have James Pierce Jr. out there making plays. You have T. Lander out there. He's a player. Do what? He's just a player. D-line, I think we've done okay uh, rotating-wise because we got Tyree West out there. You got uh, Josephs and uh, – David well, I'm just Hollins. talking about. I'm talking about the younger players making plays. Yeah, yeah. Our I, younger I, players are making plays. Yeah, so I, I think. I think, to go to I think point, like, why don't you play guys? Once we get the more of the new guys in, I feel like the better it will get. I mean, I mean that that's that's my whole main point right here. That's that's where I'm that's where I'm, that's where I'm going. Is you, you see flat you see flashes of these guys just making plays. You're like, wow, that's that's nice. And you do have Nico going to be starting a quarterback next year hopefully um you have caleb webb you have nimrod you have matthews coming in five-star wide receiver you got playmakers coming in all around all around you and even on defense like the playmakers that are making plays are they're younger guys they're not they're not older guys <laughs> they're younger faster just guys and you it is very noticeable when you're watching the game it's very eye-opening when you're watching the game like you were talking about just a minute ago Jordan, the older players are out there and they're mid mid of the SEC pack. And I feel like these younger guys are better than them. They're better. So and, and going to your point, Randy, too, like, you know, we all hate that Brew got hurt. We hate it for him. He's such a great player and and you know great good ambassador for the program, great kid and everything, really good player. Like we all hate that that happened. But it also made them put Chase Nimrod in. It also made them put Caleb Webb in. And you, as you just said, Randy, you saw those guys flash of games. Chase Nimrod made some plays, and he got yeah. better as the season went on. That's going to benefit us next season. The fact that he had to play this year is going to benefit us for next year. Um, so that you know, that's key. Same thing with Caleb Webb. Caleb Webb got got in some games. He got open. And, you know, like Dante Thornton going down to that Missouri game, like that sucked for Dante because he started playing really well. But it helps us because that forced Caleb Webb to have to play and get meaningful snaps and prepare you for next season. So now, next season, let's say Brew doesn't come back, which I think he does, but let's say he doesn't come back. Now you got Caleb Webb and Chase Nimrod who are ready to go. They've played meaningful snaps. They know what they're supposed to do. Now they have an entire offseason of understanding what it takes to play at this level. That's going to benefit the wide receiver core for next season. Yeah, and real quick, real quick. Um, sorry, Austin. Um, Real quick, the receiving core. Let's talk about that just for like 30 seconds. You got Nimrod. You got Caleb Webb. You got Squirrel White. And you got Matthews. That's looking like a heck of a receiving core. That's the future of Tennessee right now. That looks like a stout receiving core. And you have Dante Thornton coming back. He has another year of eligibility, so he's back. And there's – Probably a high probability you have a Brew McCoy coming back. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I don't. I don't think Brew 
participated in the senior day events. Actually, that's what I kind of want to bring up next is which guys do we think are going to come back or not? I'm just going to throw a name out there, and you tell me what y'all think. McCallan Castles, he was a senior this year. Do you think he comes back? No. Well, I don't think he comes back, no. No chance. But uh, Spraggins. Yes. I think, yeah. I think he comes back. He didn't participate in senior day, so that kind of encourages me. Um, Peely. Yeah. Yeah. And he should. He redshirted. Oh, yeah. He asked for a medical redshirt. I'm not even thinking. Um, Slaughter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He's got to come back. I don't think there's no way to go, really. In my opinion, he takes over from McCullough at safety next year. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I forget how you say this guy's name or which is it Lawson or Law 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 Lawless or something. The guy who always falls down the extra points but had to play Lampley 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 Lampley. Lampley. No, yeah. no, I think he's done. He's gone. Yeah, I think he's gone too. I think he's gone as well. The other guys, maybe. Oh, Campbell, John Campbell. I think that one's more questionable, but you know I'll put this tweet out yesterday, yesterday or the day before, and I told you, that, you know, this to you guys. If you're willing to pay eight million dollars for the number one quarterback in the country, you better be willing to pay a big NIL money to bring back your offense a lot. They need mm-hmm. to bring back Campbell, Cooper, and Spragans, like really bad. Like you got to protect yeah. your investment. Does it interest you at all that Dane Davis didn't do any senior day events stuff? I actually didn't know that. No. Can I yeah. <clears throat> real quick? I want to bring up Mays. Um, uh, Cade Mays. Did you happen to see that real quick? Did you happen to see that tight in the Titans game? Jeffrey Simmons comes up the middle and absolutely annihilates Cooper. I mean, Cade Mays picks him up like a little teddy bear and just tosses him to the ground. And he's injured. Like he absolutely destroyed. Kate Mays. We'll always have an interesting relationship with Kate Mays because he originally went to I Georgia know. and I know. Or the it was, and it was things. crazy because he picked that man up like he was tiny. Oh, uh, whatever. I I heard Georgia fans talking crap with Cooper, but I I still want him back. So, yeah. um, um, obvious reasons. If you watch him play, I I do think Cooper this year he was never himself. I don't think he ever he was himself. Yeah, because you look at his pro football focus grades compared to 2022 to 2023, and they're nowhere similar. I think he got like the average was about 55 this year, and, and last year it was about 70. So he definitely took a step back, and I think whole off season of getting healthy, he'll be ready to be the guy he was last season leading the best offense, or the same guy that he was when he led the best offense in the country. Uh, and one more name, Tyler Barron. Actually, he's no, he's gone, dude. I guess he's gone. He's I, gone. Oh, I kind of get the vibe. He's he's trying to get a little money because he's doing like the. I don't know, you saw he tweet out the like the thanking emojis and stuff. Like I feel like guys, he actually did that himself. He 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 hinted that he's going the portal like I think two years ago, and got some nil and came back. I, I I'm interested to see that. And one last one, Omari Thomas. Oh God, I hope he stays. I hope he stays too. There's actually um, there's two more names that can come back. Um, um, Omar Normal Lot can come back if he wants mm-hmm. to, um, and Jabari Small actually has another year of eligibility. Um, I wouldn't mind. I mean, 
Yeah, I I wouldn't mind bringing Jabari Small back and team him up with Dylan Sampson and have a good one-two punch with those guys. Um, and then I would pay if it like if it was me and I could tell you know whisper something in Josh Chappell's ear, I would say unload the money trucks to bring back your offense and defense a lot. Like the trenches is what wins in the SEC. Bring back your line of scrimmage, guys. Like I would pay them whatever they ask for, but all right, here, just take it. Like you're staying. I, if you bring back Omari Thomas and Tyler Barron's somehow and Omar Nolan Lott, it would be one of the best defensive lines. It would be the best defensive line in the SEC, I think, because David Hobbs is going to take another step. James Pierce is going to stay as lethal as he ever was. Tyree West, I think, will maybe take another step. So will Joseph's. It, it'll be a really, really dominant line. Oh, got Shadavian Bradley. Joseph pops out on film a lot, too. So, yeah. Did we redshirt Jadavian Bradley? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I remember and, watching the film. I thought he'd be a big deal this year. And you have another five-star pass rusher coming in who's the second-best ranked mm-hmm. pass rusher in the country. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're loading up on the defensive line, and if you can bring those guys back, that just allows these freshmen that you have coming in an extra year to develop. And then, you know, if, if Peely comes back, then you still have um, Jeremiah T. Lander, you still have Arian Carter, Caleb Perry, just go down like your front seven will be pretty freaking deep and set next season if you could bring back those defense alignment. One more name, um, Aaron Beasley. Ooh. I would have loved to have him back. Love that. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it, does, does his size hinder him with the chances to go in the NFL mm-hmm. as a linebacker? I, That'd I be like my it. question. I think this season kind of hindered him a little bit. Yeah. yeah, he never seemed to be that. I think yeah. he does struggle in the pass coverage, maybe. That's not his strength, for sure. Yeah, I, at the same time, I want all these guys back, but also at the same time, you got to think that's going to kind of give less playing time to these young guys, and that 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 kind of sucks. I don't know how much I want. Like Maybe it is time for Tyler Barron to go, because uh, we need Jadavion Bradley and guys like that to step up and have their time on the stage, but um, it'd be interesting. Uh, well, maybe maybe we'll get a holding call if Tyler Barron's not in the game. So you never know. You know, like we'll as the worst <laughs> we'll refs I've seen in my entire life. Yeah. Oh, and the one last thing. Uh, this is not that kind of discussion. Next season, I just want to see a more disciplined football team. That to be the focus of the off season. Penalties are bad. than any team in the world, and yeah, the refs are pretty bad themselves. But we're pretty undisciplined, uh, and it's not just the offense. We understand we're going to get false starts probably more than most teams because of how fast we go. But the holdings are, and just we're, we're we get more face masks than any team I've ever seen. It's it's pretty bad. And hell, Jeremy Banks wasn't even here this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Anything else on football before we transition into all? I said that, and literally, <laughs> Darnell Wright just got a false start. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! Um, all right, Austin, have at it. Where's? Let me set this up real quick. Um, Austin has been ranting about Alabama fans. Um, listen, I will get my two cents in real quick and then I'm gonna let you rant, Austin. Um, I've said it for the longest time that Alabama fans are the most spoiled just punks I've ever met in my life. They don't know what losing feels like, they don't know who their 
coach was in 2007, but like 70% of them probably don't know who um, was the coach for 2007. Uh, it was Mike Shula, by, by the way. Um, uh, there's several videos surfacing of Alabama. Um, that long 39-yard bomb from Milrow to the back of the end zone where the receiver caught it. They're like on their, they're like crying, falling to the floor, just like crying. Like I get like if you want to celebrate a win, but you've seen like five losses in like a fucking decade. Like mm-hmm. I got like like I get you want to like celebrate your team. That's awesome. I love it. But to cry? Yeah, like, that cry about what are you doing? That is my main gripe. It it just it pisses me off. No offense. It just pisses me off to see him like that. Cause I'm just like you can't cry over winning any game unless you've truly suffered. You have to like that's the reason to cry. The reason you're crying and and shedding those tears of joy is because you've truly felt some kind of suffering. And you know what pisses me off though here even a little more that maybe these Bama fans think they have suffered these last couple of years. I'm convinced <laughs> they have convinced themselves this is a bad time. This is like the down years. This is oh we've. we've we were losing to Texas, and we only beat USF by ten. We lost to Tennessee. What the hell? This is this is this is horrible. This is a nightmare. Oh my god! Oh, we beat Auburn. We didn't lose. Oh. Just, no, I, I, I I hope. Despicable. It's just I, I want to throw a shoe at you. I just I I want to throw more. Screw you, shoe. man. Just screw I, you, man. I, I, no one likes you. No one. You don't know what real pain looks like. You don't know what it feels like. None of y'all were around 2005 and six. Y'all don't know. Okay. If, a, if I heard a Bama fan saying like, screw you, I grew up in the bad era, whatever. Fine. I mean, really, what even a bad era? it's not recent. So who cares? Like, yeah, okay, it, listen, it's, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Austin, like you think of the bad era. Like that's one of my gripes here too, as well. Like, I was talking to this guy one time, and he's like, "Oh man, we we had it out in the in the mid '90s." I'm like, "Dude, no, you didn't." He's like, "We won a season, we won four, only four games." I'm like, "Dude, you won a national title in the '90s. Like, you had like a, a two, three year bad stretch." I'm like, "Cry me a damn, you know how dumb you." I hope, I hope this finds this finds Alabama Twitter just to show how stupid you people really are. You're the dumbest. You're the dumbest fan base on this planet. Like, you don't. Oh, we we had the bad times in the '90s. You didn't have no damn bad times. Shut the up, man. Shut up. Here's the other thing I hate about them. It's that they aren't real college football fans. It's it's not even their fault. Like it's not even their fault. But they don't know how to watch college football. That's what I kind of realized. They don't understand that they're how lucky they are. And I feel like they wouldn't even root for their team if they suffered through pain. If they, if they went through what we went through, there is no chance they'd still be rooting for their team. No. And now they're sitting there crying their eyes out over being a six and six Auburn team on not even that crazy. I mean, Auburn just they rushed two guys and left a guy to spy. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Yeah. And you choked that crap away. Like, and even the and even to get that opportunity, they had to drop Auburn had to fumble a uh, a punt and he freeze set off of the game. That guy shouldn't even even been out there. Like, what? <laughs> and the week before, they lose by 21 points to New Mexico State. <laughs> what the hell? I was like, I'll say. I am thanking God right now. I am not an Auburn fan because think think of how life is for an Auburn fan right now. For starters, Georgia is on this huge run, and Bama has been on the huge run and is back in it. And um, those are your two biggest rivals. The two teams you hate the most are Auburn or, or Alabama and Georgia. 
and they are on top of the freaking world and have been since 2009, I guess, uh, essentially. And on top of everything, and you did have the 2010 national title, so it's not all that horrible. And you were, you had the crazy season 2013 where you're so close to winning it all. So it's not totally suffering, but since that, you guys have had one horrible football coach. You, you didn't appreciate you, uh, Gus Malzahn, in my opinion. And this this year, though, you you almost beat New Mexico, or you, you get your ass kicked by New Mexico State, and then you come this close, this <laughs> close, in a horrible play call from beating. You know what that? You know what it kind of reminded me of when I saw that, Austin. I think it I was this. I don't know. I don't. We might have different opinions here. It reminds me. Well, it reminds me of the LSU game when Tennessee had too many men on the field on defense and they snapped it, the LSU snapped it over their head and they just shot himself in the foot. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh, there's no way that Auburn's going to let this happen. There's no way they're going to get a fourth and goal, a 34th and 39 uh, conversion here. And it happens. It's like the worst thing that could happen happened. And it's just, it, it brought me back to that LSU Tennessee game. What was that? Oh, Oh five. Oh, Oh six or something like that. 2010. No, do no. lose a coach. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2010, 2010. My bad. I'm thinking of something. Like that. Yeah, you're right. 2010. Um, it kind of reminded me of that, like the the pain there. I was like, oh god, that's that's bad. Like that's that's that's, bad. that's, that's bad. Uh, two things real quick. Number one, let's put a little bit of respect on New Mexico State because Jerry uh, Jerry Kill is a hell of a football coach. They won yeah. ten games. They won ten games this year. Um, yes. uh, secondly, Austin, did you was your quarter on the Saturday. What is that? You went out. Oh, uh, was you in the stadium in the fourth quarter in the Vanderbilt game on Saturday? Yeah. Yes. I, I so I had my phone out watching the end of the Alabama Auburn game, and the the amount of oh my god when he caught that football, you could hear it across the entire stadium when that Alabama guy caught the football. <laughs> Everybody was watching that game on their phones. Um, but yeah, like I, well, I don't know what the hell Auburn was doing. Like what, like, like put four guys at the goal line, rush five, rush six, make him throw the football underneath, and just rally to tackle the guy. He has to go thirty-one yards to the end zone. Like you, you let him sit back there like a hell mary play and just buy time for somebody to come open. It just made no sense. I don't understand why these coaches. Don't don't try to get after the quarterback in a situation like that to get the ball out of his hands quicker to try to rally and tackle. That that's something Butch Jones would have done. They remember uh, John Jansek leaving the guy to spy on Will Greer in 2015 when they had that long touchdown to take the lead and just kill us. Um, whatever. I don't want to talk about it, but that that was very similar to that situation. And it's just it's a it's idiotic. And I'll give this. Credit Tim Banks as people are not being too happy with him this year. Um, against Florida last year, 38-33, they get the onside kick. We completely rush Anthony Ernston and get him to throw, uh, get to him before he can get the ball off clean, and it's an incomplete pass. So he didn't make that kind of mistake. That, that and um, also, I'm pretty sure. If I remember correctly, in the Alabama game, there at the end, whenever we stopped them for them to tip the field goal, I'm pretty sure in that third down play, we sent a corner blitz from the outside that made Bryce Young get rid of that ball quicker than what he wanted to. I am a big you know how bad our DBs are. I'm a I'm a big, big believer in sitting in the house when any team needs a big play. 
because that quarterback's going to do something stupid the majority, probably like 80% of the time they're going to do something dumb or just get sacked or throw it away or just make a dumb play. Big, big believer in blitzing when a quarterback or a team needs to play because it rarely happens when you send all the pressure in the world on the quarterback. And never and that doesn't make any sense when you don't. It that or, just blows my mind. Or just don't rush two. Don't rush yeah. two. Yeah. Good Lord. And yeah. leave a guy to spy on really 32. Yeah. I mean, good Lord almighty. I mean, I hope your DBs are better than that. Good gracious. Uh, yeah, it's, it, that just, uh, and do we want to talk about uh, what you guys think about the uh, fiasco that was the Mark Stoops era of at Texas A&M. <laughs> I, I'm shocked that that that's who A&M landed on as their choice. Uh, like that, I couldn't believe that. And it's kind of, I heard today, like a Kentucky fan called in, you know, he was kind of upset. He's like, well, now I'm thinking about, you know, Stoops pretty much told us that he was out of here. Like he was gone. He was leaving us. I mean, he doesn't even really want to be here. I'm sitting there thinking in the back of my mind and like, Exactly what Rick Barnes did five years ago. That's he why I tweeted. Was, That's what everybody yeah. said. Yeah, He's, he was on the plane, ready to go to UCLA. And then UCLA said, "No, nah, we're not going to pay that buyout." And then Barnes was like, "Oh, I love you, guy. Like I love Tennessee. What am I? What are you talking about? I didn't want to go anywhere." Yeah, okay, buddy. Yeah. Um, um Georgia. Right. Georgia's DB coach might be hired by Syracuse. Be nice. Well, okay. The coach um, trades about had different coaches every year. Um. Speaking of Rick what, Barnes, what, other, what? But uh, it's just uh, one more thing about the Mark Stoops thing. Go ahead. And for starters, I was not a not happy with hearing that he was going Texas A&M because I want Mark Stoops out of Kentucky. He has a clear ceiling at Kentucky. I know what he can do. And immediately when I started hearing he might be going, I heard Jamie Chadwell talk, and that scared me. I, I don't want Jamie Chadwell. That was getting the piss out of me. He would recruit Tennessee very well, and he would. He he he'd not he would not be putting out the same thing every single season. Like also also Austin, we are in Stoops' head, and we yeah. he can't get us out of it. He yeah. he is he is we he has a mental block with us, and he cannot get past it. It's Stoops. He okay early in their year, he throws his players underneath the bus, saying like, "If you want to beat these teams, you better pony up." <laughs> and I mean, this dude's sitting here with one of the biggest contracts in the country, and then there's full on proof that he was ready to hop on the plane to go to A and M, unless the whole board of trustees lost their freaking minds in their AD. Uh-huh. I mean, that, that's what happened. It was a John Curry situation. Apparently, the AD went rogue, from what I understand. Um, I think I think what you're just talking about I think what you're just talking about right there that's setting up a recipe for it to end ugly in uh, Kentucky with Stoops and like him calling out the players it's going to end ugly that's a a testy little area you know think about like um, Cal Perry throwing the football team under the bus and just just, uh, yeah him being yeah. him in general, there's some there's some emotions up there, man. I think I forgot Barnhart, about that. Barnhart's not a, even a well liked guy. He's known as cheap and just kind of an asshole. And they they're terrible with nil. It's just that's there's just bad bad vibes all together up there. I think they're mm-hmm. um, but they hire Mike Elko, who I, I don't think is a it's not a bad hire. I I I guess I don't think it's the hire though. You know, I I be. Kind of disappointed if I were an AM fan. I wouldn't be totally like, oh crap, but I don't know. I don't know really. I mean Mike Elko is Mike Elko. He he looks like uh he he, <laughs> he looks like nine oh one vol. 
you're you think that <laughs> kind of like a, little a little bit yeah a little bit yeah uh but oh and this was a hire I actually like except for the stuff in his past and that's Jeff Levy to Mississippi State that's that's a nice ballsy hire kind of that's, that's a good little hire right there along the same lines as Leach no yeah yeah I agree I I'm really interested to see that how that works out. I don't know how his personality is, but uh, it's a good hire by them, I think. Uh, you know, obviously we have to play there next year, so that'd be pretty interesting to see Josh Heupel go up against one of his former assistants. I don't know if that how, has that ever happened. Has Heupel ever gone up against a former assistant of his? Don't, no, I don't think so. Yeah, not many opportunities. So this would be a first time for that. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, Will Rogers. Uh, takes his name out of the portal because he did enter it. Um, and now that he's got Levy, if I'm him, I'm staying because that's a quarterback-friendly offense. He's going to put up incredible numbers if he decides to stay. Um, and since we're on the topic of coaches too, like let's get some credit to Alex Golish at South Florida. They're going mm-hmm. bowling. They're 6-6. Six and six. They won one game last year. They went 1-10 last year or 1-11, one and, one and I think, last year at South Florida. And he turned them around to go bowling. They're 6-6. Six and six. They won like a total of I think like – six or seven games in the past five years before he yeah. got there and they won six games this year like that's a heck of a turnaround for him at south florida yeah that's a great job by him and i i don't know how much he's missed here but i i think it's a little bit so he he's a hell of a coach and um really happy for him uh i mean he's gonna he he might be on to the next job before you know it um yeah um Oh, uh, I had something. All right, Rick Barnes. Let's switch to basketball real quick before we end the podcast. Uh, Rick Barnes and the boys go. Was it Wednesday? They go to Chapel Hill tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow. That was a Wednesday. Yeah, Monday day. Okay. Yeah, this is Monday. So yeah, it's Wednesday. Um, we do a little short little recap real quick, and then close out the podcast about the uh, invitational tournament. Um. We left one and two with uh, losses to Kansas. Who, who was the other loss? I'm sorry, my mind's blank right now. Purdue, Kansas, Purdue, and um, I don't think it's anything to be really worried about at this moment. But I don't know. It seems we can get into it after the North Carolina game. That's going to tell me. I know it's super early in the season. You really can't really say much right now, but. In my in my mindset, it's kind of looked like the old teams, you know, teams of old that we thought we got rid of this season. But again, it's against top grade talent, and we are still gelling together. So um, we'll see how that goes. Any any word on that, Jordan? Uh, I'll say this: like you know, I was all summer long, and even during the fall, I was pumping this team up. I was really really excited for this team, excited for basketball season. Probably the most excited I've been since Grant Admiral's last season. Um, you know, I, I told you guys this, this was the most complete team Barnes has had since that team, and this is probably the best team he's going to have in the last five years. Maybe this is just a complete overreaction by me, and me just being pessimistic or a negaball. But I'll be honest, like losing those two games in Maui the way you lost them took all the wind out of the sails for me. Like it just It's not the fact that you lost those two games. It's not the losses that are bothering me. Because it's early in the season, like you said, Rainey, you're still trying to gel together. You have new pieces that you're trying to figure out. It's not the loss. It's how you lost those games. 
you lost those games the exact same way you've lost games for four straight seasons by not being able to score points. It's the same thing that keeps popping up over and over and over. That's what scares me or worries me because this team, you added offense in the portal. This team was supposed to be different. This team wasn't supposed to have those type of lay an egg against a big-time opponent because you can't score points. And not only did you do it once, but you did it back-to-back days. And that that worries me a lot. One one quick one quick note, and um, get your opinion on this too, um, Jordan Austin. I scream at my TV a million times when this happens. And the first couple of games, that offense was so aggressive, man. I mean, they were going, attacking the basket, and then they started turning around at the three-point line and setting it up again. Stop with that bullshit. Stop with that crap. That is exactly what you just mentioned, Jordan. The the laying the goose egg, that's where it starts. Stop it. Attack the basket, get the fouls. It's like, what makes them do that? Why do they start doing that? It blows my mind. It's every year. That's coaching. I'm sorry. It's coaching. No, no other team does that in America. Like just, like just completely just turns a switch and they they go right back to the way they were. That's it, co- it, that's coaching. It it blows my mind. I, I was telling somebody this on the way home from work today. Like when when you watch Rick Barnes's offense, like it creates good looks. It creates yeah. good shots. Like it's a good offense to create. But for four straight years now, according to shotquality.com, which it kind of measures, are you taking quality shots? Like, for instance, it measures if Euros Plavit shoots a three, clearly that's a bad shot, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like a negative point. If Santiago Vescovi takes a three, that's a good shot. So it gives you positive points. So it grades all your shots throughout the year to show you where you measure up with the rest of the country. Four straight years now, we've been top 30 and offensive shot quality, top 30. So we're taking very good looks, taking very good shots. They don't go in. Like they, don't, they don't make them. And I don't understand how you can have so many quality looks and so many good shots game after game after game, and you don't make them. And what else I don't understand is how is it we get all these kids in from the portal that are known shooters, and then they get here and they can't shoot. Like I don't understand I'm how going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Exactly what that reason is. The coach makes them overthink, and when you overthink, you're not you're not you're not just doing it off pure. Just you're you're not you're overthinking. You feel the pressure. I don't care what anyone says. Like, oh, they're getting open shots. They are getting open shots. But when you got to think for fucking thirty seconds about who's going to take the shot, that's why you miss shots. It's too many. Yeah. So somebody somebody brought up a good point, and I really haven't kind of dug into it, and I'll get your guys' opinions on this. And maybe it's just a quick thinking on my part. But somebody made a good point about like in a tight game, like like the uh, the Purdue game, for instance, when Ganey came out and had like two or three quick threes, real quick, uh, and it kind of killed us on the offensive end. When we're in when we're in close games like that, we're still running our regular offense. We're still running our regular motion offense. We're not like when's the last time that you've seen Rick Barnes in a situation like that call out a specific play for a specific player that says, Go get me a bucket? We're like he sits on the sidelines with his hands in his hands and just lets us run our regular offense. And there's nothing, there's no there's not a purpose. There's not a okay, we're yeah. down by two. I'm calling a play here for Don't Connect, get the ball here and connect. You go get a bucket. It's okay. I'm going to sit here. You guys know what to do. You know the offense to run. 
whoever gets open shoots the ball. And I yeah, like, that, that, I don't understand why we're not more decisive in what we're doing at the end of games. That that does drive me crazy. Occasionally, occasionally we'll set up a play with if there's like ten seconds left in the game, we have the ball. That is the only time I think I remember we set up Santee for a three at halftime. We've done that a few times. But outside of that, Rick Barnes is not ever setting up any plays for anybody. I kind of felt like he was turning the leaf on that because it felt like he was really trying to get connected in situations where he would produce. And it felt like he was the center focus. This guy is here to get us points. And that's really all he's here for. Yeah, we want to play defense, but we're mainly he's mainly here so we can not have a terrible offense again. And you didn't see that in the Purdue or the um or the Kansas game. It's concerning. It is concerning. I I don't know. I don't quite think of the offense as overthinking. I just I I, I just think it's how do you not? Because it's just I mean, set up to get a best shot. I mean, what do you want? I mean, it's the how best shot. The so high the shot Jordan quality. just said no one knows who's gonna shoot it. That's the freaking reason why. I, I don't like Josiah's shots. Josiah, Josiah just has days where he's not making them, and he'll keep attempting them. I don't That's, know how you can't say that we're thinking this offense. It just blows them on. A couple of things real quick. A couple of things real quick on that. One, I do agree with Rainey. I do agree with Rainey. They're overthinking. There's a, there is a lot of thinking going on in Rick Barnes' offense. It's, it's all off of spacing and cutting. And you have to read off of each other, so you're constantly thinking of, okay, what, what, where do I cut if, if my guy comes and picks here? There's just a lot of thinking going on out there. There's not a, there's not a set play. It's a lot of you're, you're, you're running stuff based off what the defense is giving you, basically. Whatever the space the defense gives you is, you're running to these spaces and you're setting picks off that. So your mind is constantly thinking. And two, how many times have you seen a player take? what we would, I guess, say a bad shot or a quick shot or something, and Rick immediately jumps up and starts just jumping his throat for taking that shot. Well, then if you do that so many times, guess what gets in the back of these guys' minds? Is this the shot Rick wants me to take, or is this not the shot Rick wants me to take? Then you start thinking as you're shooting, should I shoot it, should I not shoot it? And you're not shooting it with confidence. You're not shooting with a flow within the offense. Going off of what you're talking about, Austin, on the Josiah Jordan-James thing, he needs to strictly become a – Rim and three offensive player. If you're open from three, shoot it. If not, take your 6'6", 215-pound body and attack the freaking rim. I'm so sick and tired of him settling for mid-range jump shots when he has the body to be able to go in and bang with anybody at the rim and finish. He was I'm, finally I'm doing that, and now he's back to it. It's, it's so yes. annoying. He yes, it looked like, man, thing. he's finally healthy and he's finally ready to go attack. And then he started doing the same mid-range crap. I wish the mid-range shot, which is eliminated from this offense altogether. It is the most low quality. It is just, I don't feel like they ever make it. AD's made like, what, one out of his last 30? It, it's ridiculous. Why are we still so, doing this? So the math says this. According to our shot chart right now, we are shooting 32%, a little over 32% from three. You're shooting 32% and mid-range jump shots. Okay, you're shooting 32% from both. If you're shooting 32% from both, isn't three worth more than what two is? So yeah. why not shoot a three that's going to get you more points than settle for a jump shot that's only going to get you two, but you're shooting the same percentage? That, that's the whole premise of the three and rim offenses. That's the whole premise of what Alabama does, Missouri does. It's the mid-range shot is a low-quality shot based off of the percentages you shoot. Because even if you shoot 38% from two, but you shoot 34% from three, 
you're going to get more points because you shoot more threes instead of selling for mid-range jump shots. So, like Jordan Ganey, Josiah Jordan-James, they got to get to the rim more. Like, you cannot settle for threes. We're not getting a foul enough. We're not going to the free throw line enough. You're not getting to the rim enough. And you're settling for way too many mid-range jump shots and way too many threes right now. And really, it's also kind of a byproduct of – I also think this is a byproduct of we're, we're running a new offense. It's like Rick Barnes for a long time has been, I'm playing two bigs. We are going to play two bigs. We're going to throw the ball inside the paint, and that's where the offense is going to go. This year, he's made a philosophical change of I'm starting four guards. We're not going to throw the ball inside early because Jonas Adu has no back to the basket game. He has no hook shot. He has no post move. It's nothing. It's all face up jump shots or putbacks or tip ins. So I think we're some of the players are still trying to figure out what exactly do we need to do in this new offensive style that we're running. And I really want to see Rick push them more towards get to the rim first and foremost, settle for a three second and see how that goes as the season goes on. Do you think we need to use Connect differently? Because he's just gotten shut down in these last two games late. He he he, he, he isn't the fastest guy and doesn't have the greatest. Um, uh, I will say that I don't I, – I, I think expose may be too strong of a word that I'm looking for. Because uh, I don't think he's, I don't think he's overrated. I think he's, I think he's going to make the NBA and be really, really good. I think clearly, I think there was shown he has a weakness, and that weakness was he's he, he has soft handles and when pressure is on him, mm-hmm. he he had way too many loose balls when somebody would get up into him and pressure him, or when he would try to drive and a guy would collapse. His handles were way too loose, and that scout is out now. So you now you know what's going to happen going forward. They're going to put people right up on connect and pressure him and jump lanes as he drives to try to make him turn the basketball over. That, that was a weakness that was exposed out in Maui. So you gotta you gotta take the ball out of his hands and fight a mismatch, I guess. That's... Yeah, I would I would I would post him up more and let him use his size and mm-hmm. you know basically tell him if they collapse on you, you gotta kick the ball out. Mm-hmm. Like right now, you're you know, you can't handle the ball in traffic. I would try to post him up more. Um, I would definitely get him out in the fast break more, like push the ball more. That way, they, that way the defense can't get on him. And I would try to create something to where he's posting up or he's doing catch and shoot threes. He's really, really good at catch and shoot threes, as we saw out in Maui. Yeah. If you can, if you've got him, just you know, if Vescovy drives or Zakai drives, and they can kick out to him. He's just a catch and shoot, high percentage shot for Connect. I, I and I will say, I think the offense will improve once. Sakai is getting more healthy and feels more like himself. I mean, the guy led us and led the SEC in assists last year. Uh, I think once he starts to feel like himself again, he'll, this offense will start to go back to not where it was last year, but where it was year before last when we had Kennedy. I think it could be something like that. Uh, and and to show how bad it was in those two games before we played Purdue, I think we were twenty second in Kim Palm offensive efficiency. We are now 50th. In two games, we went from 22nd to 50th because of those two games. And against Kansas, we attempted 19 more shots than them and lost by 10. It's just, I, I, I mean, it, it's what it felt like. I mean, it was just, they had good looks. They weren't making them, though. I don't I have a hard time buying the overthinking thing because I just, I don't know how you over, you can't, you can't, you don't buy that. Like, it's, what do you mean? You want to create a good shot? I mean, I feel like 
Yeah. If you have a good no, shot no, and it's like, a good shot, you should probably make it. Dude, it's he, I, I sometimes feel like I sometimes feel like we keep feeding guys that aren't shooting that well, and they're leaving those guys open on purpose. Like Zakai wasn't making a damn. There's thing no plan for anyone weekend. to shoot. It's just like, oh, go ahead and shoot. No, I think I the think, defense is the decide who they want to take the shots. No, I don't believe that. I, I, I think I think with the overthinking thing, and I, I, it is it's kind of comparable to this. Barnes wants perfection. And he wants perfection out of his offensive sets and the motion that he runs. And anytime they kind of make a mistake, he jumps them pretty hard. I mean, it's notoriously known that he's on them pretty bad in practice. I mean, really bad in practice. And they think they they know, and as I said earlier, you've seen a lot of times a player take a bad shot or a quick shot, and Barnes is right up off the bench, pulling them out of the game, screaming at them from the sidelines, jumping them for taking that shot. You can only take that so many times. So it gets in the back of your head of, oh, if I take this, is he going to jump me? If I take this shot, is he going to pull me out, put somebody else in? When you're also on the offensive end, this is why you see a lot of like what Alabama does, Missouri does, and Florida Atlantic does in basketball, while they've had success so quickly. Their offensive styles, you don't think a lot. It's really you have a couple of four or five philosophical things that you believe in on offense. And other than that, it's pretty much you roll the ball out there and you go play, kind of like AAU-type basketball, and you just surround yourself with a bunch of shooters. Whereas Rick Barnes' offensive style up till this year, especially playing two bigs, was more of the old-school thinking. Everything is methodical. Everything has a purpose. Every every screen has a purpose. Every cut has a purpose. you got to get, like, it's all thinking because you have so much that you have to do Instead of only having a handful of philosophical tendencies that you want to do and just going to plan, now you got to think so much. I think that's why the thinking thing comes in with like what Randy's saying. I think they think a lot. Like they're having to think so much on the offensive end that it overloads them and they can't just play to their athletic ability. Because once you, as you've heard the saying in football a lot, once, once you start thinking, your mind slows your feet up. You can't play as fast because you're thinking too much. And sometimes I think that's what we do on offense or Rip Barnes. That's that's maybe I feel like a lot of times we don't feed the hot hand ever too. I feel like we make guys take shots that aren't having their good days. And I just I I've seen a Josiah go one for ten from three, and he should not be allowed to do that. There should be no situation where you're uh, they're leaving that guy open for a reason. And the same thing with this guy think, this weekend. This guy he wasn't making anything this whole weekend. They were letting him take shots. Same with Josiah. And Ganey seemed to be playing kind of free, it felt like, mostly this weekend. Oh. I think what you're talking about, about getting the, the, the hot hand the ball, I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier about he needs to call out plays and design more plays He's for right. those type of situations. Instead of them just letting – Instead of just letting them go through their motions on offense and just expecting, okay, the ball is going to get here, call it. Call it out. Call this play for this guy in this moment instead of just letting them run your offense as, you know, like they know how. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find out out a lot um, when they play South Carolina, I mean, uh, North Carolina. Um, I will say one thing encouraged me uh, from Maui is that. Santi finally looked like, looked like he got out of his funk somewhat against Kansas. That was, was he, wasn't his shoulder hurt or something like hurt last year all season long? 
Yeah, he's always been hurt. I think his shoulder was like messed up all season. Another thing okay. you grab about Rick Barnes is all his players seem to be hurt all year. Uh, can I add? Uh, can I add one more positive real quick too before we get off here? Is yeah. you got really, you got really, really good minutes from JP Estrella and Cade Phillips out there, and that's very, yeah. very encouraging too. Cade Phillips is good. I, I like, I like both those guys. Honestly, they both have great futures. JP, here. JP Estrella looked really, really good um, out in Maui, and that's that's really encouraging because we do need more post depth. Because there's going to be a night where Adu and Awaka get in foul trouble in an SEC game, and you're going to need those guys. There's going to be a night. Where I mean, you even almost saw out Malia where a walker or a do sprains an ankle and can't play, and so you're going to need a JP. That's one thing I will say real quick that I, I'm happy Barnes has kind of changed this season. In the past, he had been real reluctant to pay to play the freshmen early and play them meaningful minutes, and and he would wait till February and throw them in there and think, okay, they're ready instead of playing them early. This season, he's played these freshmen, Estrella and Cade Phillips, and even Cameron Carr. He's throwing them in the games in meaningful minutes, and he's force feeding them minutes, and that's one thing he has changed this season, which is encouraging to me because that's going to be valuable minutes for these guys come January and February. Agreed. Yeah, I completely agree with that, and um, and I like to see that he actually dug into the refs. Like you don't get that a whole. Like, that was a good thing to see. Finally, yeah. You get it occasionally, but he was really pissed. It was hot, and you don't screw up Barnes because Barnes actually usually gets a pretty good whistle, honestly, because he's a, you know, he's a. He's a veteran coach usually gets he knows the guys better than most people but he was getting bad wilson he wasn't having it yeah at, at, at the end of the day with this entire season and and the tournament's going to come down to in my opinion is once we get into march madness obviously what's the matchup and do we get hot so it's, i mean it's going to come down to do we make our shots in march i mean that's if you make your shots if you make your shots in march this team is talented enough to get you to an elite eight and final four. Now the question oh, yeah. is going to be, the question is going to be, what offense do you get when it's crunch time against a top team in a Sweet Sixteen or Elite Eight top matchup? Yep, that is that that is that's the question. But the, and that's the basketball other... season. We're going to wait till March. We know we'll be there, <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to have fun along the way. I guess. Yeah, a lot of screaming, a lot of yelling, a lot of cheering. But uh, all right, guys. Well, it's been a fun, fun little go tonight on the podcast we'll do it again next week we'll probably talk more a little bit more basketball next week because we do play north carolina this week do we have another game after that i I don't think so i think it's an easy game if it is okay all right well we'll talk some more basketball next week and some more sports headlines as well but uh good podcast guys um gonna talk to you jordan gonna talk to you austin we will do it again next week. Good night. No balls. God bless.